you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State! Welcome in to the latest episode of that. SEC podcast presented by MyBookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo this episode. Cousin Shane called in sick. <laughs> called into his day job, called into the podcast, said he was sick. I think he's really sick about his picks. Oh, hold on. Almost forgot to crack open a cold one for Shane. <sighs> yeah, drinking another one of my Golden Road brews here. All right, but how about those games this weekend? My God, I had to drink quite a few to get through them. I felt, anyone see that Georgia Tech fan napping? I mean, that was me during the Marshall-Appy State game. Lost money. Thanks, Appy. You're still happy in my eyes, but not happy in the fan base there. <laughs> but that Georgia Tech fan napping, that's, that was me during that game. I passed out, missed about a quarter of it. I mean, this is the first time in my life I ever fell asleep watching college football. My God. And I know we're all excited for some SEC action. I'll tell you who's got to be the most excited. It's got to be ESPN. You know, we knew the games were going to be pretty bad on paper, but uh, I thought that week one, and I thought the games turned out to be really exciting the opening weekend. Maybe it was just because we were missing football so bad, but hell, the only game that was entertaining turned out to be Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech, came down to the final play, and just so happened to be the one game I missed. I was busy watching that uh, Miami-Louisville game, and Miami just opened up a can. That uh, quarterback King, I know it's early. I don't want to go overboard here, but he's got to be probably the Heisman fronter at this point, just of people that have played. You know, I'm not giving too much credit to that Oklahoma quarterback that sliced up Missouri State or Trevor Lawrence playing the Citadel. My God, couldn't even score on the Citadel in the second half. <laughs> For anybody who missed it, though, I think they were up 49-0. And Dabo wanted a running clock in the second half. Citadel said no for some damn reason. And no one scored the second half. So I, I didn't watch a damn second of that game. Why would you? But I would imagine they just ran the ball and punted it with their fourth string, what have you. But, hey, I'm glad those guys finally got some action. It's probably the only action they're going to get this year to the fourth string there in Clemson. All right, we're going to move this thing along here. Not a ton of news. This is going to be a unique show. We've already done our SEC predictions, but I'm going to I'm doing them again. By God, I mean Shane's not here; he can't stop me. And if you got any complaints, which there's going to be plenty on these predictions, I'm at Big Orange Vols. Send all hate messages to at Big Orange Vols for the love of God. Before we got into uh, my official 
preseason predictions now that camps come to an end. Just wanted to make this note really the only noteworthy thing here in the SEC over the weekend. It was really a quiet weekend, but Anthony Hines, junior linebacker for Texas A&M, announced he's going to opt out. This is a guy that started 13 games last season, second on the team in tackles. Now, I have heard there was some speculation maybe he was not going to be the starter, but it's kind of wild to me that there's Aggie fans out there saying, well, hell, that's why he opted out. He wasn't going to start, which maybe I could see a young player getting upset over that, but opting out? I mean, how many backups we got across the league? We're going into a 10-game SEC slate. We're going to need all the players we can get. Your second leading tackler, a former elite prospect. He did miss his sophomore season due to injury. He did miss his true sophomore season due to injury. This is a big blow. I don't care what anybody says. Hell, even if he didn't start, I mean, you're going to need this guy. And the timing of this is just so peculiar. I mean, we thought Jamon Osmond's opt-out was bad. Now here we got Anthony Hines, the week, game week. Here we're in game week. Opting out. My God, Jimbo Fisher lost control. Maybe that's a little bit of overreaction, but hell, I'm going to start saying that if uh, if the Yankees fall apart here. Mark Richt, that old saying, may move to Jimbo Fisher here before long, and I'm not feeling too good about the Yankees here heading into the season. And it was There was so much promise a couple of weeks ago. Just not feeling it at this time. And that kind of leads into what the show topic's going to be today. Official SEC predictions. Let's just get that going. We're going to start in the SEC West. Number seven, Ole Miss Rebels. Auditario, Miss. Lane Kiffin, I'm not on the hype train. I was on it when he got hired. <laughs> but that damn train is uh, its chugging along at a slow, slow pace. We got Kiffin out here saying it's going to take him about three years to build a roster. Can't recruit worth a damn. I mean, they have... I think they're dead last. They're behind Vanderbilt in the SEC recruiting rankings for what that's worth. They're not getting any in-state kids. I've seen Ole Miss fans saying, well, they don't, they're not interested in state kids. <laughs> well, good luck building up that program because Mississippi, they're just loaded with talent year in and year out, and it may not always be in the recruiting rankings, and that's got more to do with these recruiting services, not being able to get down here to see them all. But, I mean, there is talent to be had. That's how Dan Mullen – you know, built up his program. That's Hugh Freeze. I mean, go down the list. There's plenty of good players in Mississippi. So if you're saying Lane Kiffin don't want them, that's just asinine. I mean, he wants them, but he just can't get them right now. It's going to be slow going here. And like everybody knows, my love affair with John Rice Plumley certainly sounds like Matt Corral is going to be the starting quarterback, which maybe you have to because Plumley has been banged up in camp. But I'm not a big believer in Matt Corral. Maybe in this system. Maybe he'll surprise me, but we got Florida coming out the gate. That's going to be a tough game. Kentucky, Alabama the next three weeks. The ne- excuse me, the next two weeks. 0-3 looking very likely for Ole Miss. And that's going to be a tough, tough hole to climb out of here. So not a big believer in the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm going dead last in the SEC West. The lane train's got to get that thing going heading into 2021. Otherwise, we're going to start wondering, what in the hell is going on down here in Oxford? All right, number six on my list, Arkansas Razorbacks. Woo pig! I've been touting this staff all damn offseason. Listeners of the show know it will. But at the end of the day, do they got enough players to compete on a consistent in-out, 
week in and week out basis. And then, hell, they got screwed in the SEC scheduling. We all know the story there. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough road for Sam Pittman's crew, but I think they're going to be a lot more competitive. I think they're going to win a couple of SEC games this year. You heard that right, a couple. I'm giving them at least two. <laughs> two is a couple, so maybe three, probably just two. But I think Arkansas starts to – they start to get back to being competitive. They'd be – you know, with this staff, if they had – an average roster here in the SEC, they do a lot better, but just a tough hill to climb here. Arkansas Razorbacks, number six. I'm very interested to see how they look against Georgia. I don't expect them to put up too much of a fight, but that says more about Georgia than it does Arkansas in the opener, but maybe I'm wrong. All right, number five on my list. Mississippi State Bulldogs, Mike Leach Air Raid. A.J. Costello is going to throw for a million yards, but the defense probably going to give up a million yards here. So I'm not really buying the, the hype going into week one that Mississippi State's going to be an upset contender here against LSU. I think that's pretty crazy, but, hell, maybe I'll be proven wrong and they're getting national spotlight. Mike Leach for LSU and Coach O on the Bayou, reigning national champions, home opener. That's going to be a one hell of a game. Maybe the most interesting week one game. Well, no, it's got to be. It's top three for sure. Most interesting games of the weekend for me. But I just think at the end of the day, you'll see I got LSU pretty high, Mississippi State. The pieces are there. I think the future is bright. But I can't go any higher than number five right now. All right, so here, number four. This is going to be a little bit of a stoner for listeners because I've, I've changed my tune on this one. After hyping up this damn Texas A&M. Giga Maggies. <laughs> hyping up this program. Number four on my list. Texas A&M Aggies. Steep, steep drop. Since the SEC changed up their schedule. We got all these opt-outs. Doesn't seem like they're bought in. Who in the hell is Kellen Mond going to have to throw the ball to? I know they got some talented young players there, but... Especially in the SEC, it's very, very difficult for true freshmen to come in and start. It's a little bit different if there's veterans around them and, you know, you get that one-on-one coverage. That's what we've seen in recent years at Alabama. I mean, they got these junior or sophomore receivers that are out of this world, and then they bring in a freshman who gets third or fourth coverage. That's that's significantly different than what we're going to see here with the Aggies. I mean, they got, they're probably going to have freshmen – as their number one receiver. And that's just going to be a tall, tall task. How far can this defense go? Now we got multiple opt-outs. Again, maybe not the most important players on that defense. I still like the depth on the defensive front. The defensive secondary Texas A&M building looks to be special. So that's probably going to be the strength of this team and the running game. Kellen Mon. you know, I've said it time and time again. I'm a believer that he's a good player. I don't think he's an elite player. And he is certainly, I mean, I've been saying it all offseason, they're going to need him to be an elite player even more now than ever with all these tight ends. they still got Jalen Wildmeyer, so it's not like they don't have any targets. But, man, these receiving core, I don't, you're looking around, I'm looking up, I'm trying to figure out who's going to catch this, who's going to catch the ball down at College Station. I don't know. And uh, as good as Texas A&M's run game may be, we're hyping it up. But, I mean, these defenses are just going to stack the box, make Kellen Mond beat them. And I'm not seeing any reason to, to believe that he can do it. 
based on what we've seen the last couple of years outside of a game here or there. All right, number three, Shane's squad here. I think Shane's his bold pick. Auburn going to win it all. I'm not going that high. Auburn, number three. Get ready, Toomer's Corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45. I know they're replacing a ton on that defense. They got to replace that entire offensive line. Normally that's a cause for concern. And certainly it, it is a concern for me, but at the same time, I know there were some touted guys on that offensive line last year for Auburn, but I didn't really think they were that good to begin with. So, yes, it hurts on one hand to lose those guys, but on the other hand, they weren't really that good. So you bringing back guy, if you're bringing back guys that aren't that good, you're still not that good. So maybe a change there is actually what Auburn needs. I think Bo Nix plays a lot better this year than he did. We, we started to see it a little bit at the tail end of last year. Now with all these weapons, all these running backs, and one thing, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but obviously I've been very critical on Chad Morris during his time, and for good reason at at, all, at Arkansas. It was god-awful, the worst SEC coach ever. But one thing he did right there in Fayetteville, the tight ends got some production out of those guys, and that's something Auburn fans have been dying to see from the tight end position under Gus Malzahn. It's just never happened. So, hell, I think even under Chad Morris, we might see the tight ends get involved in this offense. And I think Auburn might have one of the best offenses in the SEC this year. It's, it's going to be critical that that line comes together. I'm not totally sold on them being able to do that. That's why I don't have Auburn any higher than number, third, number three in the West. But even with all the losses they've suffered on the defensive side, still got plenty of talent over there. Kevin Steele. Listeners know what I think of that guy. I think he's the, the SEC's best defensive coordinator. I got a ton of faith in Kevin Steele to get that unit, at least get them, you know, pretty solid by the end of the season. They may not be gangbusters out the gate or anything, but if the offense is as good as it could be and the defense is reliable, then they're going to be a very good team. All right, number two, LSU. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Very high on the Tigers despite all their losses. Got transfers coming in. They got freshmen coming in. They got veterans like Miles Brennan. You know, you may not think of him as a veteran, but hell, he's been there for seems like five years now. Redshirt junior. So, you know, it's it's different when you got someone like that that knows the system, knows the coaches, knows all the players, get, has rapport with all of them, as opposed to putting in a you know a, a transfer or a freshman. I think Miles Brennan is the type of guy that could kind of slide right in and you know there's still going to be a step back obviously you don't just replace the number one overall draft pick in the NFL but it doesn't mean you you drive off a cliff either with per, the offensive production so I think there's a happy medium there and with the weapons Miles Brennan's still going to have I like their running backs Chris Curry I keep forgetting to mention him on the podcast LSU fans quick to mention don't forget Chris Curry I mean they've got a loaded backfield as well the offensive line kind of similar to Auburn transition there but uh, coach Craig he's just done an outstanding job with that unit last year I think he can do that again he may have a more talented offensive line how quick does that come together we'll see and help coach O's been singing the praises of Bo Pelini and I'm not necessarily buying into you know the defense is going to be dominant right away even though they've got key pieces at, at every level of that defense but well, I've been saying it time and time again last year for the most part this defense was terrible and a lot of times. It was just god-awful. So you're bringing in a new system. 
There may be a little transition period. Otherwise, I may have LSU number one. I think they're going to be that good. LSU is going to threaten Alabama for that division title. But with the losses, with the new coordinator, with Joe Brady and Joe Burrow off to the NFL, Clyde edwards alaire and the rest of them, Jamar Chase, just can't pull the trigger on LSU being number one. So obviously I got Alabama number one. Roll Tide! Said that on the podcast here about a week or two ago. All the continuity they have returning, all the leadership they've got returning, Everyone down there seems locked in. We're not having any opt-outs. The SEC done give them a gift of a schedule, <laughs> giving them Missouri and Kentucky. Well, Kentucky, that's not a gift, but hell, giving them Missouri to open with. I mean, that's not going to be much of a challenge. Texas A&M seems to be falling apart. Texas A&M would have, I think, preferred to get that game later in the season like they originally had it. Ole Miss, I mean, they're going to set up for a very light – I don't you can't really say any SEC schedule is light, but as easy as you could want it, I guess, in, a, in an all-SEC schedule. Alabama's going to get it before this Georgia game. So, And, hell, with the, with the loss of Jamie Newman, kind of sets up well for Alabama. So they're going to be monsters. But I still, I'm still, i not saying they're going to go undefeated. Hell, I think LSU, Auburn, maybe Texas A&M, if, if everything clicks, could beat them. Mississippi State, they're going to need a damn miracle. But, hell, all these teams are going to give them a game, I think, this season. So not ready to write off. I'm not one of these people that thinks Alabama's just, just going to run through a damn 10-game SEC schedule. Ain't happening for me. Before we move on to the SEC East, want to remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today using that promo code, that SEC. that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, over at MyBookie.ag all new users that use that promo code, that SEC, they will receive 100% deposit match on up to $1,000. So that means you're a new customer to mybookie.ag. You throw in that promo code, that SEC. Whatever you throw down, they'll double it instantly up to $1,000 and as low as $100, I believe. So here we go. You can put in $100. If that's all you're comfortable putting in, you will have $200 to bet with immediately only at mybookie.ag using that promo code that sec t-h-a-t-s-e-c it's simple make your picks win big collect your cash mybookie's got nfl nba nhl major league baseball ufc they got it all and of course college football we're going to be breaking down all the college football action all season long head on over to mybookie.ag winning season begins today only at mybookie all right jumping over to the sec east I had a little shakeup here, so I'll get to that in just a second. But, of course, Vanderbilt, I'm going number seven Make it down. in the SEC East. Just a terrible, terrible year. And this isn't Derek Mason's fault, but, you know, we're starting to see it already with these these other games that are played. When you're having transition to a new offensive or defensive coordinator, and, hell, they got both this year, that's really messing with these teams on the field. It just seems like I've been harping on continuity and the importance of it all offseason. And I think that's really going to hurt Vanderbilt. Now, they do got so many guys returning on the defensive side of the ball. Normally, that'd be a good thing, but they were so god-awful last year. I don't know how good that's going to be for the Commodores. They got Ken Seals, I think, is going to be the starting quarterback. Been saying that for a while. I think he's going to be a good player. I like Cam Johnson, the receiver. I think he's really good. But again, what do they got outside of that? They've, they've just lost a lot of 
really good players this offseason. So it's going to be tough sledding. This is going to be one of the teams that probably regrets the most that it went to an all-SEC schedule. Vanderbilt's going to be a real tough year for the Commodores. All right, number six, Missouri Tigers. M-I-Z! And I'm tempted to move them up a little bit higher, but still kind of wait and see with me with this, with, uh, you know, the offensive transition. I didn't like what uh, Drinkowitz had to say the other day about, you know, basically the offense is installed, but we can't really execute it. Well, we're running out of time. We're down a dozen guys. We're opening against Alabama. Of course, you're going to be a huge underdog in that game regardless, but it's not exactly a game that's going to get your confidence going here. Still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. It's probably going to be Sean Robinson. Now, I have heard some good things about him, but just really haven't seen him play at all. And, hell, he had to sit all last season out. I don't think he even played much the year prior. I think he played a little bit for TCU, but, you know, there's a rust factor there even with him. And now we got all these transfer receivers, and, you know, how seamless is that transition going to be? I don't know. You know, the shining light here could be the return of uh, Ryan Walters and that defensive staff. Missouri could be really tough out the gate on the defensive side of the ball. That could be the saving grace for Missouri for that offense to kind of get its feet under itself and kind of get going here. If the defense can hold the day, maybe Missouri gets it cranked up and maybe they make a real jump. I've seen some people have Missouri as high as fourth in the SEC East, and I don't think that's too crazy, to be honest with you. All right, number five on my list, South Carolina. So, so far, I mean, this is the same list I've had previously. Gamecocks, we know they're rolling out with Colin Hill, the starting quarterback, graduate transfer from Colorado State. But again, this is one of those deals where I kind of, I mentioned it with Vanderbilt. It's a little bit different because we got the same defensive staff returning, but having so much change at the offensive coordinator position, now we've got a different quarterback, completely different running back room. Receivers decimated at the receiver position, basically, with guys graduating or guys opting out. They're having to run out a damn quarterback as a receiver. So I just don't have a lot of confidence in South Carolina to have many weapons to be a consistent threat on that side of the ball. Defense, I think, can be a different matter. Defense was, was pretty solid last year under Will Muschamp. They just... Got no help in the offense, kind of came apart there at the end. But South Carolina, I think, could be a very salty team. But I just don't have confidence that they have enough talent to kind of be much higher than number five in the SEC East heading into this year. Outside of maybe on the defensive line, maybe on the offensive line. But even that, I think, maybe is a little bit of a stretch. So they do have a really good defensive backfield. That, again, that could be another one of their saving graces, kind of like I mentioned with Texas A&M. But South Carolina, number five in the East. I'm feeling pretty secure about that pick. All right, so here's the one I've changed. And this is one. This is verified by Cousin Shane. He's, he's fully on board, believe it or not. He actually begged me to do this. Tennessee, number four. Dropping the Vols, and I'll tell you why. Just not like what I'm hearing out of this camp. I mean, I don't even think they've really had a full-on scrimmage yet. With, I mean, they've done this situational work, like Saban likes to call it. I just don't know how prepared. We've, hell, we've seen Navy get their ass whipped by not hitting enough in practice. Not saying Tennessee is going to get embarrassed like Navy, but I just, I don't know. I'm feeling, I'm feeling uneasy about Tennessee. And maybe it's got more to do with the teams above them than it does Tennessee. 
Still not a believer in Jared Garantano. Kind of tired of all these narratives that, well, hell, he's in second year with Jim Chaney. Looks like a new guy. He's looked like a new guy about three times now. This is going into year five. Is he really a new guy? Is he the same guy? You know, all this talk of JT Shrout securing the backup role. Maybe he's taking a big step, but hell, from what we've seen of him, of course, he was a young player, but from what we've seen from him, he didn't look that good. So he's securing the backup role. I mean, what's that say about your starter? Of course, they got the big Cade, Cade Mays news. Not official yet. He's still not gotten that SEC waiver. So maybe Tennessee can just ground and pound and play defense. That's not really a recipe for much success in the yes, in college football anymore, though. I mean, maybe about 10 years ago in the SEC you could have done that, but College football's changed. It's wide open. It's passing game. Tennessee's got an entirely new receiving core for the most part. Outside of, you know, Josh Palmer's a very good player. Now he's going to be asked to be number one receiver. So, And I like the freshmen they're bringing in. But, again, you're asking freshmen to kind of come in and carry their offense on the on the passing side outside of Palmer. And, at, uh, you know, they're, they're down tight ends. I mean, I don't know. And they're saying the defensive line has not been looking too good. So, what are we hanging our hat on here? I mean, I, I know the secondary is going to be awesome. It may have the best linebacker in the SEC. The defense is going to be nasty. I don't think the defense is going to be really, really good, I think. But I know it just pissed off all of all nation here, except for Cousin Shane. Remember, big orange balls. Tag him on this one. <laughs> Their selection number four has more to do with number three, Kentucky. I think Kentucky is going to shock a lot of people this year. Not people that have been listening to this show. Not Kentucky followers that know what they're talking about. But, man, this is this is probably going to be the deepest team Mark Stoops ever had. If Terry Wilson comes back, look, sounds like Joey Gate was going to be able to play. God forbid something happens to Terry. We're going to have Joey Gatewood here. We're going to have a three-headed horse at running back. We're going to have one of the better offensive lines in the SEC. I mean, this is falling into place to be – this is exactly what you want from a Kentucky team. Very weird how similar this team is to Tennessee. So maybe it does come down to that head-to-head uh, head-to-head game. Kentucky fans will tell you the last team they have confidence to beat is Tennessee. So, I mean, we're talking neck and neck here. But it really, for me, just kind of comes down to – I've not heard any issues with Kentucky with the COVID stuff in camp. I think they're going to be geared up to play – I think they're pissed off to play. You're seeing coaches talking about the damn coaches poll and how ridiculous it is. This just sounds like a fired-up, pissed-off team. So I think this is going to be a special year for Kentucky, and I'm picking up number three in the East. All right, number two in the East. This is when I lose all my friends in Athens here. Number two, Georgia Bulldogs. Not liking what I'm seeing. Although, if anybody missed it, uh, we we did tweet it out from the podcast and – I tweeted out from my own personal account, but SEC Network shared some inside SEC on the Georgia camp the other day, and it was about three minutes long, and it was just these Georgia players going head-to-head. And, my God, it was it was more action than we have seen all camp anywhere across the SEC. And they've got some studs on that team. Both sides of the ball. George Pickens looks outstanding. He looks like he is – you know, ready to have an all-American type year. So I may look stupid on this pick, but Georgia's going to have the best defense in the SEC, probably the nation, very high on Dan Lanning and obviously Kirby Smart and everything they got going on down there. But my issue is that offensive side of the ball, Todd Munkin, 
Not that that wasn't a good hire. I think this will probably prove to be an outstanding hire. But what do they have besides George Pickens? They got the running backs. But do they have a quarterback that can do it? I don't know, man. I keep going. I just keep going back and forth, back and forth. Maybe, maybe I'm just underrating Dewan Mathis. If Dewan Mathis is as good as some people are hyping him up to be, George is probably going to win the East. So I guess I'm just not ready to buy that yet. But again, having Georgia number two in the East, I've been saying it all year for people that think I hate Georgia. I think they're going to whip Alabama. I, st- I still think that. I'm, I'm sticking to that because I've been saying it all damn season. I can't flip it now. But Georgia's going to beat Alabama. The beast of the East is going to be Florida, number one in the SEC. The same thing I've been harping on all offseason. That continuity is going to be huge for the Gators. Both coordinators, starting quarterback, head coach, so much returning, offensive line. A lot of pieces back all across the board for the Florida Gators. I think if there's one quarterback that's going to take a leap forward, it's going to be Kyle Trask. He was already, hell, you know, go back and look. I mean, before anybody was saying he was the best quarterback in the East, Shane and I were saying it. I think we did that in February, March, something like that. Never wavered from that. Now they've got guys, you know, they, I know they lost, they've lost some receivers there for sure. So Van Jefferson, I mean, he's killing it with the Rams right now, but. I got a ton of faith in Kyle Pitts and Grimes. Now they got Shorter in there. They've got Kadarius Toney, I've always thought was a really, really underrated player. Jacob Copeland could be taking that next step. And hell, they got the uh, Henderson kid that's been tearing it up, the freshman. So, I mean, he is not going to lack for options. Running back could be an issue for the Gators. But I'm more worried about uh, that offensive line, run blocking. They sound like they've gotten, they've progressed. I've got a ton of faith in. the offensive line coach down there, he's always done a hell of a job at Mississippi State now at Gainesville. So that's going to be a major issue. You know, when they go up against the Bulldogs, they're they're afraid to run the ball. They can't do it. So that's got to be the issue that they overcome. They have got, when they, when they need to run, when they want to run, they have got to run the ball. Can they do that this year? That's the biggest concern I have for the Florida Gators. But outside of that, I don't have many. So Gators are winning the East. They're going to win the entire SEC. They Dan Mullen, Kyle Trask, they're going to win it in Atlanta over Alabama. Nick Saban's Alabama program makes it makes a return to Atlanta, but they don't win it. All right, so that's all we got on this episode. Game week, baby. I'm so fired up. SEC football back. It's, it's almost unbelievable that I'm saying that. It's unbelievable that Cousin Shane called in sick on this day of all days. But don't worry. I mean, we've got – he should be back on the next episode. I, I don't think there's anything serious or anything. It's not like he's um, – <laughs> I don't even want to say what he's he's been up to, but you could probably guess if you took about two guesses. But, yeah, he's just uh, not up to it, but he should be back in uh, the next episode, he's telling me. And, hey, we got a really – really good week of shows lined up we've got guests from around the sec going to be talking all these teams we're going to be talking to several insiders from around the sec gearing up for the season and of course by the end of the week we're going to be making our official picks for the first weekend of sec games i can't wait for it <laughs> man I, i'm just excited sitting here talking about it but Hey, that's uh, that's going to do it. That's all we got on this episode. 
Hope you enjoyed it, even even without Shane. I know I enjoyed this uh, Golden Road beer, I'll tell you that. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Game win.